Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Victor Gabasi. Vic died in April of 2023 at the age of 88. He was born into a family of 10 children. Vic's parents came as children themselves from northern Italy at the turn of the 20th century. They eventually met and got married and worked their way to Colorado, mining coal along the way. Growing up in Glenwood, I was fortunate to have a host of northern Italians like Vic in my village. So when he agreed to sit down with me for an interview in March of 2011, I was honored. He started by talking about his parents' journey. Mother and dad both came from Italy, the northern part of Italy, for a better life. My mother was a baby, of course she didn't. My grandparents brought her as a baby to the U.S. through Ellis Island. My father came here first when he was like 15 or 16 with an uncle. And he had lost his mother who had died when she gave birth to her, his baby brother, two years younger. And she died. So he was raised by his grandparents in Italy until he kind of left home young, spent a couple of years up in with an uncle up in Germany and did some hod carrying at 11 and 12 years old. So he and, was working when he yeah, was Yeah, he was working. And, but he did go through the eighth grade to school in Italy. But then he came over here when he was about 15 because an uncle was coming over. He was born in... 1895, my dad was born. So, you know, he, 10 or 12 years, he, he was about 12, 15 when he came to the U.S. to be with his uncle and loved it over here, but was not real happy with his uncle. And he, at 17, his grandmother passed away in Italy, in the province of Brescia is where they were from, which is up near, not too far from the Austrian border. So he left at 17 to go home to his grandparents, and his grandmother was had been dead almost a week before he got back. And then he was caught in the First World War and had to go into the army, the Italian army, at 17. Oh, man. And was in there four years and was wounded. And, you know, then they finally released him, but... He'd had a shrapnel wound, and they put a plate in his leg, and then he was released. But he was then, you know, 17, 21 years old. So he spent about another year, year and a half in Italy, and then they were given free passage to the U.S. for labor in the mines. And my dad left and came to Illinois and then ended up in Iowa. Waukee out of Des Moines in those mines there and worked from one mine to another mine for quite a few of us kids were born. There are 10 of us kids. When did he meet your mother? He was 27 when he married my mother. And my mother was only 14. She'd raised a lot of her siblings that my grandmother had who was quite crippled. She kind of helped raise her own brothers and sisters she was married in February, I think it was, and she had a son one month before she turned 15 in December. She had uh, my oldest brother, 
So she she had one and then ended up having 10 children. Did they all live? And all of us lived and are all still alive except for my oldest brother, who is would be 89 in November. And he passed away a few years ago, but nine of us are still living. And the baby is turned 70 last September. The baby of my baby brother is 70. So, you know, we go, we range in age from 70 to my oldest sister is 87 that are living. Your parents got together in Iowa. In Iowa. Mm -hmm. And one child was born and then did they stay in Iowa or move on? They stayed in Iowa and then they moved to Colorado because my older sister was born in Madison, Wisconsin, I think the one that's 87. Then they moved to Uray. I have a brother born in Uray and a brother born in uh, Idaho Springs and a brother born in uh, Telluride. And each stop was a mine. A mine. All those different mines that my dad worked at and ended up in Oak Creek where there was only one born in Oak Creek, my youngest brother. Quite a few of us were born in Waukee, Iowa. That's where my I was born. And I have a sister that was born in Pershing, which is right next to Waukee, and and then a my young my younger brother and two other sisters younger were all born in Waukee. And it's right out of Des Moines. And it's a uh, all coal mining in three and four foot of coal in those days, you know, very shallow mines that they worked in. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Immigrant Stories on KDNK. My name is Walter Gallagher, and my guest today is Victor Gabassi, whose family came to the United States from Italy and worked in the coal mines. Was your dad ever injured? Not in the mine. My dad never was injured in the mine, but he moved a lot, you know. If he didn't like the conditions, if they were too gassy, He'd quit. So he was able to know that uh, things weren't safe and That's right. he would move on. And he was very, uh, you know, we worked in the, the mines, some of the mines, when we first moved to Oak Creek, you know, they were like uh, company owned, owned the houses and owned the store. And you, you, when I read stories about script, I, I can barely remember. I was young, but certain amount of the money that my father got, plus a company house that he lived in, but you had to spend in the company store, which was owned by the company. Yeah, they didn't pay you in cash. cash they paid no. you in company script. script. It was called script, script money, and it was company money. So you had to you had to shop in their store. So it wasn't worth anything anywhere else. No. You had to spend it back with the company. With the company. And you lived in a company house, and most of the years I remember are, of course, in Oak Creek because I was about between five and six. And I was born in 35, so it was in 40 or 41 we moved to Oak Creek. The only thing I can remember about, very little about Iowa, except that the United Mine Workers, the uh, organized labor, was just beginning because of too much company control. 
Well, and, and a lot of people had died in mines. And they had died, and, you know, in the, those early days, too, when the militia, you know, shot a lot of them. And there was just a lot of people that felt like if you belonged to a union, you were a communist. But that's what I grew up with. You know, I felt like part of the organized labor we were part of made these people freer, you know, to where you didn't have to shop at the company store because I didn't live my whole life that way. It's just the early years that I kind of remember, you know. And then during the Second World War, of course, you know, everybody worked, you know, the kids worked. You go over to Toponis and Yampa and Oak Creek now, and that 20-mile stretch from Oak Creek to Toponis was all lettuce and spinach fields. They they produce lemon, uh, head lettuce, if you can believe, that just crates and crates of it. We were just kids, and they Did, would haul us. So you worked in the fields yeah, as a kid. Yeah, you worked in the fields. They'd pick you up in a, during the war, and I was probably 10 or 11. They'd pick you up in a big covered truck with benches in the back, like 6.30 in the morning, and they'd haul you up to Toponis or Yampa, 10 miles to Yampa and 20 to Toponis. What were conditions like? I mean, you, you had to work you hard? Know, you, as a kid, you you didn't do much. You, you felt worked because you had to go up there every day. And you got like 25 cents an hour if <laughs> they thought you were 16, which, you know, you just tell them. Now it would be illegal. To right, even, right. You were 10, but if you said you were 16, you were 16. You, yeah, you were 16. Nobody cared because they just needed help. They need people that would pick the heads of lettuce and put them in a crate. So you and your your brothers and my sisters? sister, more my sister, and she was two years older than me, and her and I are the only two because my brother that's next to me is six years older than me, and they were all working in the mine. My oldest bro two brothers were in the they were in the army. How old were the boys when they went to work in the mine? My oldest brother went to work in the mines at 14 or 15 years old, but he's the only one. He was he just quit school and probably out of the eighth or ninth grade. I know he didn't graduate. Most of us kids uh, out of ten of us all graduated from high school, even though things were tough. But you just knew that you were going to go to work at the mine, no matter how smart you thought you were or what was going to happen, you were going to go to work at the mine. But by the time I graduated, the war had ended. It was before the Korean conflict, and you didn't have to worry about going into the service. You just were trying to figure out a way to get out of Oak Creek because by then the mines had went from probably two or 3,000 coal miners during the war in Oak Creek and all the little surrounding towns, Haybro, there was a, a little town there, a company town, Keystone. And these were all company-owned little towns. They built homes for the miners to work in. And there was probably at least 2,000 miners. There was 10 or 12 mines during my school years so, until the early 50s. So it was a going concern. It was a very, you know, there were 29 kids in my graduating class, which is not very many. But compared to now, 
it would be quite a few because there's nothing in Oak Creek. You know, right. there's no mines, one mine, strip mine. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Immigrant Stories on KDNK. My name is Walter Gallagher, and my guest today is Victor Gabasi. So what was it like around your house growing up in Oak Creek? What I remember is, you know, we had a three double beds in the boys' room, the six boys. We had a three-bedroom house. And the house we ended up buying had been a meeting place in Oak Creek, if you can believe, a little town like this, uh, the Ku Klux Klan. There was all kinds of uniforms out in the barn that my parents had bought of the Klan outfits. And, uh, of course, for a few years, for Halloween, that's we all went as one of the Klan's members, <laughs> Ku Klux, because... There was all of these uniforms up there. Really? For, the that house. was the meeting place for the clan? It must have been the clan. Our house was way up on the hill out of Oak Creek. You could look right downtown on the main part. I thought it was huge. It was two floors. And uh, in the early days, I was probably 12, my dad decided the whole house needed a new foundation. And we he jacked the house up on big posts, you know, a pine and... and uh, he jacked the house up, and the house sat on stilts. The whole upstairs, we had three bedrooms upstairs, and we had a ladder to get to the bedrooms <laughs> and the, tore the whole downstairs out. And we spent the whole summer that way. And when I'd go to work at the Spinningsfield, just walk out of the side of the wall and down the hill to, <laughs> to meet my truck. It was so cool. And, you know, uh-huh. to remember that. And you'd come home and uh, climb the ladder to get back in the and house. To go into the bed, you had to go up this ladder. Steep, really? just a regular little step ladder that you walked up. So when your dad wasn't in the mine, he would come home and do carpentry, do carpentry work and yeah. foundation. and Foundation poured all of it. My mother worked as hard as my dad. She could pour as much cement as two men. My mother was a very strong, sturdy woman. And I imagine you all had to kick in too, right? Yeah, and we all did, you know, everybody. And then we had a coal stove and uh, to cook on and a, a coal heater in the f- to heat the house was with a, just a pot-bellied stove, you know. In Oak Creek, you know, it'd get, in the winter, go 20 below. And an outhouse, which... I remember because we never got inside plumbing till I was about a freshman in high school. But nobody had it in Oak Creek. Right. It was, you didn't ever feel too mistreated because none of your friends did either. So. What was your dad like? My dad was a very strong man, very strong. And When you say strong, do you mean. He was strong and very disciplined, yes. He, my dad died young at 62, but, and spoke with a dialect his entire life. He never learned the English well enough to not have broken. It was broken English always. My mother, who quit, had to quit school in the fifth grade, could read and write English and Italian. 
she was the strength that kept everything going from cooking to just keeping the, everyone's life cool. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Immigrant Stories on KDNK. My name is Walter Gallagher, and my guest today is Victor Gabassi, whose family immigrated to the United States from Italy. Was your, was your father a quiet man? I mean, was he accessible? He was, he... Uh, he was a good husband for my mother, and we had a lot of bear joints in Oak Creek. You know, there were probably 10 or 12 in the downtown area, pretty much with lots of gambling going on, bar boot, and slot machines. You know, at one time, I, I think the mayor of our town owned the slot machines because in those days they would have inspectors come through because of gambling and they'd put all the machines up in the city hall. It was a rough town to live in. If you said where you were from, you had to be about ready to fight because they wanted to see how tough you were. Was it a largely immigrant? What Almost would you say? all immigrant. A lot of, of uh, Czechoslovakian and uh, most, most foreigners. But, you know, in spite of everything, my dad never let us, we never learned the lang Italian language, and I've always kind of felt bad. But he would not let us speak it. He said, we live in America, you speak the language. So none of us kids really learned. You know, there are 10 of us, and, you know, I always kind of wished I could have learned. Right. And, and it would have been so easy. At that age, At yes. that age, growing up with. You said largely Italian, Czechoslovakian? Uh, Polish. Uh, there were a lot of... Irish, were there... There were Irish, oh yes. There were Welch, Irish. yeah. Welch. All of your, your mining type people. And they would talk their language down among each other. But that we didn't ever learn it. So it was a tough, it was a tough place. It you, was a tough town. You graduated in... 1953 I graduated. And so you were going, well, I, I don't have to go to the service. Like, I don't necessarily want to go to the mines. And I had a scholarship for music. That's, I love music. But you couldn't, a little town like Glen Oak Creek, you couldn't be too musical. Because it was a tough town. Because it was a tough town. You had to fight to survive. I never went on with my music at all, although I loved it. But probably would have been a musician in my life had I not, you know, there was just some stigma yeah. in the little mining camp. You were just going to go on to work at the mine. That and, was all. And that's actually what I did when I moved to Glenwood. I went to work at Thompson Creek. Uh, How old were you then? By then I was uh, 19, and I worked up there. So had some of your brothers come with? My brothers had been all up there working. At one time there were. Between brothers and brother-in-laws, there were six of us at Thompson Creek. Some of them were Boston. Some were just working in the mine. I was just working in the mine. I so you went to work in the mines when you were 19. How long did it take you to realize that that wasn't where you wanted to be? My oldest daughter was born. I was 20. Let's see. We got married at 21. Lois and I, we were both 21 in 1956. We'll be married 56 years next month. She was born about two years after we were married. And that then I quit. She was little. Went to Greeley and going to cosmetology school. 
that's what I. So what made you? What made you change your mind? I mean, you I were just, in the mind for. I had I always had kind of a love for arts, you know, music, and and before Vicky, before we had Vicky, you know, I had planned. Her and I had talked, and we we were going to head out. I was going to try to, you know, I did a lot of singing in those days, and we were going to head out, and I was going to try to launch a career in music. Huh. And uh, a singer. Yeah, I love to sing. Loved to dance, loved all of that. And that was our, that was my first love. But I knew after we had the baby, we couldn't live that kind of life. So I went to become a barber, and Art Smots that lived here and was the barber here, and Jim Murdy, yes. those old barbers. I talked to them, and they said, God, don't go to be a barber. Go to cosmetology school and style women's hair. And I thought, what the hell? You know, I am I can do what I want. So I thought, I'll try it. If I don't like it, I'll quit. So that's what I did. I became, went into hair. But I did only women for probably 20 years of my career. I never did men, just women, for at least 20 years. Why is that? Well, because it was more money. It was more money, and I was so busy with doing women's hair. And it wasn't unis. It wasn't like it is now uh, unisex, because I probably do as many men now as I do women. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Immigrant Stories on KDNK. My name is Walter Gallagher. My guest today is Victor Gabassi, whose family came to the United States from Italy. So what did your family of coal miners think about you going my, into cosmetology school? That's a good, my oldest brother, he said, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You know, I said, look, Frank, I hate my job up the mine. And that's what I'm doing. So in a way, you finally said, hey, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care. I was very, very in my own skin at that age. You know, I was like... You know, I did have hang-ups, but <clears throat> I still was in my own. But I was you, in my own skin. You were you were very popular as, as a hairstylist. Oh, for I did women's hair for twenty years. I went to hair shows. I I traveled. I did a lot, and was you know there were times they wanted me on platform work, but I I didn't like that. What's lot. platform work? Well, just uh, doing it for a company and showing new trends uh-huh. and showing them how to cut them and use the product. It's always selling when you do that stuff. You're always selling product. You're, here you are, the the son of immigrants who yeah. can barely speak English. That's right. But in one generation, you're moving in this uh, this whole other circle. Where did you learn how to be out there as far as your ability to communicate with people and for one thing my mother she spoke wonderful and she she knew you could do anything you wanted but my wife is my guiding light she said you don't you can do anything you want to do i ended up with a great woman who encouraged me like when i wanted to be a singer she said let's do it well she ended up she was pregnant so everything 
you have to start thinking, well, is this the life I want to right. give my well, wife and the baby? And then I decided to go to become a hairdresser, which was a very good choice because I was, I had just enough arts in me to, it was creative. So were you, were you successful right away? Right when away. You, when you opened your... When I moved back to Glenwood, I hadn't been out of school six months and bought my first shop here. Barbara Valeski's owned it and uh, downtown. And it was, I was very successful. Had three or four girls working for me. And then when I, in those early years, they were great years for hairdressers because, you know, it was big business. Because I had 12, 12 of them working for me for a while in the, when I had uh, first moved out south oh. where the dry cleaners is. 12 and people. I, uh -huh. I had eight on one side of just women. Then I had uh, four. Uh, it was called the men's room. And then it all became unisex after that. But that was when the men didn't go in the beauty shop. Oh, yes, it was the beauty shop or the salon. It was salon. a beauty shop. Yeah, you didn't. you didn't want to be. My oldest brother, the miner, that one that's dead now, he'd say, oh, God. But, you know, as life went on, he was in there every Friday having a donut with me. You know, he'd come <laughs> in. And in the early years, there's no way he would have. Oh, really? So yeah. he resisted it for he, quite a while. It took him a lot of years, too. Yeah. That it was cool. So has it been a good life? I've had a absolutely, Glenwood has been, you know, I, well, when you stop and think, you know, I spent my childhood in Oak Creek, but was gone from there by the time I was 20, and now I'm 50, uh, 70, 57 years later, you know, most of my life has been in Glenwood, and Glenwood has been good to me. Would you change anything? Nothing. Not one thing. Huh? That's a that's a life well lived. That it's, if you can say that. Yeah, I honestly can say that and and mean it. And I, all my kids are close. Yeah, I'm lucky. Well, Walter. Victor Gabasi, it's been a pleasure to have this time with you, and thanks for being part of Immigrant Stories. Thanks. I hope. I hope it makes sense. Oh, it makes all kinds of sense. That was Victor Gavassi, a kind, compassionate, and generous man who realized his parents' dream of a better life and in the process made it better for everyone who knew him. <laughs>